Thank you, Carol. I've never heard that song before. It has a beautiful message. The past few Sunday nights, we've been doing uh, some doctrinal messages, and um, we, we looked at the Trinity, looked at God the Father. Last week, we looked at God the Son, which was the incarnation in the flesh, God in the flesh. Tonight, I want to look at God the Holy Spirit. And I have three passages of Scripture that show the Holy Spirit's work. One from the Old Testament, Ezekiel 37, and then two from the New Testament, Acts 2 and Galatians 5. First of all, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10, you'll be familiar with this passage. It's called the Valley of Dry Bones. I'm getting a little bit of ringing from the, the base over here. Good. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones, and he led me round among them. And behold, there were very many upon the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And as I looked, there were sinews upon them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, or spirit, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the spirit, or breath, came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great host. Breath and spirit, same word in the Hebrew, ruach. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This is the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and prayers. And fear came upon them every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and distributed them to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they partook of food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved, which all happened after the gift of the Holy Spirit in verse 38. Now over in Galatians 5. That familiar passage, I think it was the theme of Bible school, Miss Marcia, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Let's bow together. Father, as we come to consider the work of the Holy Spirit, let it not be some mysterious ghost-like being that comes and goes and we don't really understand. But help us to see the Spirit as your presence, your power, your love within us 
and let that power work through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no way I can encapsulate the Holy Spirit in a single sermon. The three passages that I read in Ezekiel and Acts and Galatians don't even begin to scratch the surface of what the Holy Spirit does. And uh, if you go to the bookstore, you'll see a lot of books on the Holy Spirit. If you go to seminary, you can take a whole course on the Holy Spirit. But this evening, I just want to start the discussion, just broach the subject. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Real simple. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Well, who's the Holy Spirit, first of all? Simply put, the Holy Spirit is just another way of saying God. Remember as Christians, it's important to remember that we do not believe in three gods. We believe in one God who has chosen to manifest himself to his creation in three different ways. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But one of the most important teaching tenets of Israel from the very beginning of their worship of God was monotheism, one God. You start out the Ten Commandments, the Lord our God, or the Lord our God, the Lord is one, one God, and only one God. There's no perfect analogy to explain one God in three manifestations. It, and for us to even try to ponder it, you know, I was trying to figure out, it'd be like an ant trying to ponder a human being. An ant just doesn't have the capabilities to begin to understand something that much, that far greater, more complex. Nor do we have the capabilities to fully understand God. But I, I've used this analogy before. I think I might have did it when we talked about the Trinity. Um, to my parents, I'm a son. To Susan, I'm a husband. To Catherine, I'm a father. So I'm a, a son, a husband, and a father. I'm still the same person, but I relate to each of those three different people differently, different relationships. One theologian suggested comparing the Trinity to something like uh, water. Water in HTO comes in three forms. Liquid, solid, and gas. And liquid is water. Solid is what? Ice. Gas is what? Steam. Water, ice, steam, three different things, still all H2O, still water. So keep in mind as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about a different kind of God, but the same God who just reveals himself in different ways. It's another expression, another form of the one true God. So that's who he is. He's, the Holy Spirit is God, just another manifestation of God trying to reveal himself to us. What does he do? He does three things from these passages of Scripture. Real simple tonight. These three passages depict the work of the Holy Spirit. And the first one in Ezekiel 37, in the Old Testament, I wanted, I wanted to use this passage just to be sure that you understand that the Holy Spirit is not just a New Testament experience, but really goes back to the very beginning. In fact, if you start reading in Genesis, you only get to the second verse before you read the Spirit of God ho hovering over the face of the, of the waters. But the first thing the Holy Spirit does in Ezekiel, it shows us, is that he gives life. Just as the Spirit breathed life into the dry bones in Ezekiel's vision, so today the indwelling of the Holy Spirit gives life to the follower of Christ, to the Christian. I love this illustration, and I've used it before, but you probably don't remember it. 
A.J. Gordon was out in the country one day when he saw across the field an old hand-operated pump and a farmer who was pumping that pump for all he was worth. He watched him pump for a while and the, the man never seemed to get tired uh, or off routine. He never missed a beat. He just kept pumping. And he got so fascinated by it that Gordon decided to get out of his car and walk across the field with the farmer still furiously pumping, never stopping. When he got to the pump, however, the mystery was solved. The farmer was one of those black plywood silhouettes that you've seen out in the country, cut out and stuck in a yard somewhere. You've seen them, but someone had taken that silhouette and put a hinge on the elbow and, and placed it beside the pump. And the pump itself was actually an artesian well that just ran continuously by itself. So what was actually happening was the opposite of what appeared to be happening. The farmer was not pumping the water. The water was pumping the farmer. And I love that. When Jesus tells the woman at the well about living water that wells up to you into eternal life, He's talking about this wonderful reality of the Holy Spirit. It gives life. He energizes us. He dwells within us. He drives the pump. We don't have to pump God. God lives in us and pumps us. He breathes into our weary, dry bones, into our cemeteries of dreams and hopes, and he brings life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And if you feel dead and lifeless in your Christian walk, in your Christian life, then you need to take a step back. I do this from time to time and just stop and just spend time in God's presence and, and confess sin and ask God to come and indwell you and fill you with the Holy Spirit because I, I believe living in this world drains the Spirit out of us and every day we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit not exactly like a balloon that goes down at the end of the day, but just like a, a well that needs to be filled again and again. And God fills us and he comes in us and he gives us life. What does he do? First, he gives life. Secondly, from this passage in Acts chapter 2, in the early church, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and when he comes... They devoted themselves to prayer and to fellowship and breaking of the bread. And what happens when the Holy Spirit comes is he creates community. He creates community. After Pentecost, obviously something happened in the lives of these Christians that gave them a new set of priorities and a new sense of community. Just throwing people into a pile does not create community. Do you remember how it was years ago when people lived in the country, rural families lived miles apart, and yet they knew who their neighbors were, and they checked on their neighbors, and they, they knew when they had family and when they had friends. They knew everything that was going on in their neighbors' lives. It's different today, isn't it? People live in high-rise apartments, and they know nothing about someone who lives just a few feet next door away. It takes more than proximity to create community. You remember the last time you were in a crowded elevator? What do you do? You just look straight ahead. 
And you could be packed in there like sardines, people pushing up against people, but that's not community. I remember, uh, <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, one time, Susan and Catherine and I uh, went to New York and we got on the subway and we wanted to go to the Guggenheim Museum. So we got on there and then about five o'clock, it was time to head back into um, Midtown where our hotel was. And it was like, it was a five o'clock rush. And we got on this, this car of the subway. And I mean, we were standing like this, just pressed up against. You would never get that close to anybody uh, anywhere else. But we were just pressing up against one another. And, you know, I think when we got out of the, out of the car, we got to our stop, we were able to exhale for the first time. But uh, that was not community. That was just people pressed up against each other. When the Holy Spirit comes, he creates community. He brings people together. He tears down walls that separate. He makes something like family out of people who have nothing much else in common except their Christian life. I see that almost every week at a funeral. People who don't really know each other that well come together and, and provide a meal for a funeral. And it's because of the community that we have here in church. Um, walls are broken down. The Holy Spirit prevails. And people who, who don't know each other still experience community because of the Holy Spirit. A group of Boy Scouts were out in the woods exploring one day, and they came across a set of railroad tracks. Stephen, I'm going to need you to help me. Come up here. And they began trying to walk on railroad tracks. You ever tried to walk on a railroad track? How far can you go? You, you can't maintain your balance very long on a slippery rail. And so without going very far, they, they fell. But two smart scouts assured all the rest they could walk the rails at least 100 feet and not fall off. Nobody believed them, so they had to prove it. And so this is what they did. Come here, Steve. One got on one rail and one got on the other rail. Put your arm. And they interlocked themselves like this and were able to walk down the rail. To get, you're on your rail. Okay, I'm on my rail. <laughs> and they were able to walk or, or even braced if they were further apart. They could be braced like this and walking together. You couldn't do that alone, but braced together. They could walk down those two. Thank you. You can be seated. They helped each other. Each one stood on a rail and reached out and they locked their arms together and that's how the two of them walked down 100 feet of railroad tracks without falling off. The community created by the Holy Spirit is one that can walk the rails too. And as long as we have somebody to hold on to and depend on, the Holy Spirit is there to bring us together. So he gives life. And we don't have to pump him up. He pumps us up. He creates community. And the third thing the Holy Spirit does is produce fruit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Earlier, Jesus had said that you can judge a tree by the kind of fruit it bears. And Paul says here, in effect, that the kind of fruit you bear will determine whether or not the Holy Spirit's living in you. And if you're bearing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, then the Holy Spirit's living in you. 
Let me, let me distinguish here. This is not the gifts of the Spirit. You don't have all the gifts of the Spirit. You have one or two or three gifts, but these are the fruit of the Spirit, and you can have all of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And It is an inclusive list. But if we look at ourselves pretty closely, we would have to conclude that we're not all bearing all the fruit that God intended. The point is that the Christian ought to be different. And if the Holy Spirit is living in you, then it ought to show. It ought to show. I've been listening, I listen to Christian radio and Luis Palau. You hear Luis Palau on K-Love or uh, he has a, a South American accent. But he was telling the story one day about an evangelistic crusade he was conducting in Lima, Peru. And a woman named Rosario heard that he was coming to Lima and she was a terrorist. She was an expert in martial arts and she decided that she was going to kill Luis Palau. She had already killed 12 policemen. Uh, and she was just a terrorist. Well, she got to the stadium and she was making her way to the podium to kill Luis Palau. But when she got to the stadium, it took her a while to get to the platform. So as she was working her way through the crowd to the platform, she had to listen to the message. And by the time she got to the front, she had heard the gospel and it had worked its way into her heart and she became a Christian. And when Luis, when Luis Palau came back to Lima, Peru 10 years later, she had already helped plant five churches she had founded an orphanage housing a thousand children and she was continuing to work as a witness in her church. Before Rosario became a Christian, she was bearing fruit. But the fruit she bore was hatred and violence and murder. After the Holy Spirit came into her life, she still bore fruit, but it was a different kind of fruit. It was love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because when the Holy Spirit comes in, you bear a different kind of fruit. So the Holy Spirit, plain and simple, is just another manifestation of God. And among many things, there are three things that he does in our lives. He gives life. And who could ever forget that powerful picture from Ezekiel of dried bones that come to life because the Holy Spirit breathes life into them. He creates community. And who, who could ever forget that picture in Acts of, of Christians who didn't really know each other beforehand but began to follow Christ. And when the Holy Spirit came, there was selfless living and giving in the early church. And the Holy Spirit bears fruit and the believer. And if you've ever seen a before-after picture, like uh, someone who loses 150 pounds, you see the before and after, it ought to be like that in the life of a Christian. What's before they look, what do they look like before they become a Christian? And what do they look like? How do they act? What fruit are they bearing after they become a Christian? There ought to be that kind of dramatic transformation between before and after when the Holy Spirit comes in. Wendell A.J. Marth came down to, 
to join the church this morning, I asked him, has Jesus come into your life? And he said, yes. And I said, when did you pray? And he said, four weeks ago in my home, I prayed and invited Jesus in. That's just another way of saying the Holy Spirit has come in. It's just another way of saying that God has come in. Because God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three, all the same, all giving life, bringing community, and bearing fruit in the life of a Christian. Let's bow together. God, all of us here tonight want to be faithful trees that bear good fruit. But we can't do it, and, and we, could, we could work ourselves to death. And I see Christians doing that sometimes, just trying harder and harder to be good, to do the things that please you, to earn your love and grace. And we just can't do enough. We can never do enough. So God, train us how to get out of the way and let Jesus fill us and let that Holy Spirit power work in us and work through us so we don't have to do the work. You're the one doing the work. You're pumping the water through us. That's our only hope is that you do what we cannot do. We are weak, and yet your strength is made perfect when we can acknowledge that and let your spirit come in and flow through and empower us and bear fruit and bring life and create community. God, we could sit down and ponder your greatness and majesty every second of every minute of every hour of the day from now until our dying day and still not scratch the surface of who you are. And so thank you for revealing yourself to us in understandable ways. Like Jesus, who became human in the flesh and dwelt among us like the Holy Spirit who comes and empowers us. Help us to give as much as we can understand of you all of ourselves to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing an invitation on him, Whiter Than Snow. And this is a beautiful text. No matter how ugly the stain, no matter how black the sin, when Jesus died on the cross, his blood was shed, and it washes you whiter than snow. And he'll do that for you this evening. We're going to sing 325. If you have a decision to make, you come forward and share it with us tonight. Let's stand together and sing 325. Yeah. 
wash me and I shall be washed. 